0: The WFMY Cavs cast, we're back. It seems like two months rather than two weeks that we've last talked. I'm your host, Josh, Bloha. with me again, Seth Wanamaker. We were expecting this week, after going every other week for the Cavs offseason, we were expecting that this week wouldn't be much of like a discussion, I guess you'd say. And then the Cavs decided to break out a new logo, some new colors, I a uh, new color, I guess, kind of. The gold is golder. And... I guess we have a lot to talk about just that and the NBA draft, the NBA finals. They hired Luke Wallman, a bunch of stuff we have to get into tonight. We went from barely having anything to talk about to having a bunch to talk about. Seth, how are you? How have you been the last couple of weeks? Are you enjoying the NBA playoffs? And most importantly, tell me your first impressions on the Cavs new logo and uh, new colors.
1: Yeah. Doing very well. Missed you. It's been a couple weeks. I missed the the couple commenters we had last time. Need that engagement again for this session. Uh, First impression. I thought it was an a, a A minus. I think it was great. Um, I've personally had a tougher time with the Cavaliers than I have with the then Indians and now guardians and the Browns in terms of like wearing stuff. So this is a big deal for me. Like I, I never really enjoyed some of the different hats that the Cavaliers had. They tended to, n- to not get too spicy on the website, so I'm very, very excited about the logo and what how they're going to incorporate it. So, yeah, I'm excited to get into finals, new assistant coach logo. But to answer your question, yeah, I'm I'm digging the logos, man. We we've had a tough stretch the past few years in Cleveland, so I I think it was good.
0: Tough stretch would be one way to put it, I guess. The Browns, I, that was probably like the oranges, oranger, and them breaking out those hideous uniforms that they luckily have already gotten rid of and then the indians and the guardians we're not even going to discuss that but i guess it's been two weeks too long because i completely messed up on the intro we are always like always live on facebook youtube and twitter and the wfmy podcast is always brought to you by the evergreen podcast network so i see i'm i seriously it's been it seems like months rather than weeks that i've last been on here with you my, I guess I'll answer my own question. I absolutely love the new logo and the uh the new gold is gold. Their colors. I love the logo. The V with the hoop is awesome. I love how they brought like some of the eighties and mixed it with some of the nineties and mixed it with with some of the two thousands and they like brought it all brought it all together in the one and that's the new look. As far as the colors go, I like how they went with a goldier gold i guess is that like even a color the goldier gold than a yellowish gold it went away from like that bright yellow which isn't even gold even though the Cavs' colors are literally wine and gold and went with a straight gold i love it i hope i know the jerseys new jerseys are going to be announced later this summer at some point that is very important i mean if the jersey stink none of this matters because it's going to be horrible anyways But I hope the jerseys are as good as the logo and colors because if they are, man, I might buy an NBA jersey for the first time in a long time because I am not an NBA jersey guy as far as wearing them goes. But if the jerseys are cool, I might not be able to resist.
1: Yeah, I love the way that they flattened out the C. So I know this isn't great podcast talk, but if you're if you're following along here, if you pull up a picture, they really kind of got rid of the shadows uh, on the C from a shield perspective, and then just their script C. I love that. I love the flat look. I think it looks pretty sharp. They got rid of the sword, which I'm okay with. It, it's not like I don't think many folks had a lot of attachment to the sword, other than CC running around at Rocket Mortgage. You know, I don't think there was too much incorporated with the shield. And yeah, I just I, I'm a, such a big fan of both the eighties and the nineties logos. I just love that they were both incorporated and you know, the V the standalone V that they have, it's kind of cool because when I first saw the logos drop and they kind of, they kind of sprung it on us. Like it was pretty fun to watch like over the, over a couple hours, a couple of people saw, I mean, you did a good job of kind of identifying and, and and providing some screenshots early on. Uh, but I, I thought that the standalone V with the basket and the ball up top look like the larry o'brien um it just that you know if you look away from the computer then look at the screen you're like oh shit, is, that the, is that the larry o'brien trophy um and and as i saw the reasoning or really as the Cavs gave more detail about how they designed and, and why they did they, they kind of made mention of that that it looked like a larry o'brien so yeah i mean i i think it was a heck of a job man i'm, I'm really excited to get some new gear and i just love you know the flatten c uh going back to the 80s and 90s, the standalone V, man. I yeah, I think it was an absolute home run. And and to your point, we've had a few stinkers, so it's it's gonna be fun to
0: see some new some new gear out there. I know you guys probably weren't expecting to talk, us to talk about a flat C on this podcast, but the reason why it's a flat C is because they got rid of the drop logo, I get the drop shadow, I guess you'd say. Uh the black, I think it was black, I think it was black yep. drop shadow. It was, they got yep. rid of that, and now it's just straight. It's a wine-colored sea with a gold background. There's no drop shadow anymore. And then, oh, and speaking of, their colors are officially now black, wine, and gold. There's no navy blue anymore. So it, maybe it might come back in some sort of throwbacks, but as their primary colors, I guess you'd say, it's those three, no more blue, which is kind of significant because, I mean, I know – to wait, today's Thursday – Tuesday was the 15 year anniversary of LeBron scoring 25 straight points in Detroit, 29 of the last 30, and they wore the some of my favorite uniforms the Cavs ever had. It was those navy blue alternates with like the I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like the checkered sides. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And those are some of my favorite uniforms. So for them get rid of navy blue is kind of significant. But hey, I'm fine with moving. On. I like I said, I know we probably distrust this six minutes too long already but i absolutely love the new logo and um colors i love that v basket how they brought that back but also incorporated like the 1990s font with it it's that's the best logo the Cavs have ever had so i'm glad they brought it back and i'm glad it's like their primary logo now too
1: Yeah, I'm imagining, you know, what they can do with, I mean, you know, professional sports like black jerseys are just sweet. So I'm imagining some pretty cool stuff coming out when they go to their, their black jerseys, um, if they have those available and then how they're going to mash like the shield versus the, you know, kind of what call their, their more retro logo. Now I think is going to be pretty sharp. So yeah, I mean, I I think just a great job all around. It's hard to get this stuff, right? Like, you know, I think if you do a good job, you're going to get like 50% of people saying, Oh, I I wish this or wish that. I, I think, overall I've seen a few polls today. Like they're getting 70-80% approval rate on these Twitter polls. So if that means anything, I, I think the Cavaliers did a pretty good job.
0: It's one of those things where like new logos and colors are kind of like an offensive lineman where if you don't hear their name that much, that means that they're doing a good job. I think the most I mean, we're on here, we're saying how great of a job they did, but I feel like if it was a bad job, you'd hear it a lot louder, both. Like in person and on social media, because we know a lot people love. They're not technically yelling on Twitter, but you know when they're yelling. So you'd hear a lot more yellers on Twitter and social media if the logo and colors were bad rather than if they were good, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, there'd be pitchforks and people people marching around Rocket Mortgage right now, so I 100% agree with you. I mean, we we got proof of that just a few short months ago with with the Guardians and how outspoken, you know, people that weren't happy with those were. So, yeah, I think, you know, bang up job and I, mean, I just can't wait. I know the website has some new stuff up, so I need to check the wallet before we go too crazy, but I think we're I think we're going to get a few new items I'm excited about.
0: And for those curious I know our own Andrew Schnitke ordered something today on the Cavs team shop, and it says arrival tomorrow. And he lives not even – like he's about two and a half hours south of Cleveland. So the Cavs certainly want you to get their stuff. And, I mean, I'm not going to say anything about the professional sp- baseball team in Cleveland, but they didn't they – didn't, I don't even think they had stuff in their team shop to order online, like when they revealed their new logo and all that stuff. So the Cavs seem to be ahead of the game, which is certainly great. If you haven't been on there, um, go check. They don't have anything like too significant. It's just like the Cavs, it's nothing like too. I guess not too significant. Too like it's everything's like pretty, pretty basic. I guess is what you'd say. But I still like the shirts. I know they're like twenty seven bucks, probably five dollars shipping. And also, I guess this is the time to plug our sponsor too. Waiting for an extra sponsor that I always forget to plug on our podcast, BreakingT dot if you are looking for any Cleveland apparel or any like the Guardians, Browns, Cavs, obviously, specific player. I know they have Jose Ramirez stuff and Steve Laquan stuff because they've been two of the biggest names for the Guardians so far this year. Breakandtea.com slash winning or breakandtea.com slash WFNY. Every little cent counts. I, I know we probably don't get that much from every sale, but if you're going to go on tea.com. Just do the include that little slash wfmy and uh you will be supporting me, Seth, and the uh, the rest of the way in for next year, guys. So I thought I did that a little plug. But yeah, so I guess the next biggest news besides the logo and colors for the Cavs this week is that fact that they hired former Laker, former Cleveland Cavalier, a guy that has seemingly been on like four different coaching staffs in the NBA already, and. Luke Walton, I guess I did right into it. The Cavs, J.B. Pickerstaff staff brought on Luke Walton as an assistant coach. Seth, I'll go to you first. First thoughts, do you like it? Were you surprised? What? Yeah, definitely
1: not surprised. Um, I think at the, you know, the end of season presser, there was some talk about, hey, is there room for some additional coaching specific on the offensive end? And I think. Kobe and JB both stated, Hey, there, you know, there's opportunity for us to continue to get better from a coaching perspective and not to be shocked really if, if someone came down the pike. So yeah, not surprised. Um, the one thing I was surprised about was to learn uh, how young he was. I, I just feel like we've heard this guy's name, Luke Jackson, for so many years. Obviously, his father and just
0: the name Luke, holds. Hold on, so much hold on. Great. Luke Walton. Luke, Luke Walton. Walton. Luke Jackson. Former Cavalier, Luke Jackson. All right, continue.
1: The absolute bomber from three. That's right. Oh, boy. But yeah, obviously, Luke Walton and, and the Cavalier, great. I think Luke Walton had a few. <laughs> Luke Walton had a few years with the Cleveland Cavaliers right back in like the 10, 11 days. Uh, didn't play a whole lot. He was near the tail end of his career. Uh, but, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm one of those like, you know, more coaches, probably the better. Um, so Jackson obviously has. Wow. That's Jackson twice. Walton obviously has some head coaching experience uh, relevant within the past couple of years. You know, he's been on some pretty good teams. He he had a tough stretch with the Kings, but all in all, I'd, I'd say I'm excited. I'm, I'm not you know going crazy with with pom-poms but I definitely think there was a need to get some additional offensive, you know, insight with this team. I think things got a little stagnant, a little unfresh last year. So, I'm excited to see what he can bring hopefully from an offensive standpoint and um yeah, what well, I'm I'm kind of in the boat of we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm definitely pro, you know, let's get another experienced coach on the bench which which I think hopefully will be helpful. What
0: what are your thoughts on the hire? I agree with that last statement. The more experience on the bench, especially head coach experience, the better. You can never have too much experience like that. You can never have too many minds that have too much experience. I guess. Um, as far as the first thing I did when it was announced, that well, I guess not the first after work. I came home because it was announced. I think Tuesday morning. So after work, I got home Tuesday night, and the first thing. It's hard to how how do I say it? It's hard to see how. Like, Luke Walton, is he an offensive group? Because I feel, I know we've discussed this multiple times. It seems like this Cavs coaching staff, or JB specifically, needs some help on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's rotations, like lineup rotations, whether it's, like, I don't know, just, like, more offensive style, I guess is what I'm trying to say, especially rotations in the playoffs. I mean, we saw it in the play-in that, I mean, Kevin Love played, like, 10 minutes. JB needs help on that side. It's hard to get a grasp on how good of a coach someone could be offensively. Because I looked at offensive net rating for like the Kings and uh, oh, and the Lakers. So, because Luke Walton went from the uh, assistant coach for the Warriors and then went to the Lakers for three years, then Sacramento for three years. And it's hard to like look at offensive and be like, oh, well, he must be a good offensive coach if they had a good offensive rating because the Lakers weren't that good back then. And Sacramento seemingly has been bad ever since like Pedro Stojakovic and Mike Bibby and those guys left. So you can't really judge a coach just on offensive rating, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you can never have too much experience on the bench. I hope he brings like some help in terms of offense and rotations and stuff like that. But I just love the hire because like we both said, and I've said multiple times, the more experience, the better. He has six years of head coaching experience already, He's 42 years old, so he's still young, and I know his best year, obviously, it was actually the Cavs' best year, too, 2015-2016. Steve Kerr was recovering from back surgery to start the season. Luke Walton was the interim head coach, and he started, or the Warriors started off 39-4 and that year. Then again, I mean could I have been the interim head coach and still started that hat? Cause they had Steph Curry. We all know through that June 19th, 2016, the beginning of that season, Luke Walton was the interim head coach. So we all know about it, but I don't know, like we both said, and I've said multiple times, and I'll stop talking the more experience, the better. I like it.
1: Yeah. And who can forget when, uh, when Luke was an absolute marksman from, from three for the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 2011, hitting almost 44% of his three-point shots. so that that'll be Was Japan. he really? <laughs> Very limited volume, but almost 44% hey, on
0: three back in I the will gladly take that right now. Can he still shoot 44%? Maybe he brought came on as like an assistant coach slash player.
1: Yeah, a little Jackie Moon roll, coach player.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but we both agreed. Good hire, nothing wrong with it. You can never have too many head coaching experience guys on the bench so hopefully obviously jb likes it. i know he had a lot of positive things to say yeah i'm fine with it so the two biggest news stories of the week for the Cavs were logos colors and luke walton and i say like 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 i I give all three of those a thumbs up
1: Yep. Like and subscribe, like and subscribe. They're, they're both things that feel good right now. And I think we're going to get more information on both. We're going to get the jerseys coming up here, hopefully sooner rather than later. And then we're going to see how, how Luke interacts. And, you know, one thing, and and I don't, to be honest, I don't have too much about Luke, but the one thing that I'm always kind of watchful of, of when these, these head coaches go back and take an assistant role it seems like they have a lot of connection with like the guy so I'm very curious how like Luke's going to interact with Darius and Mobley and it seems like the the once head coaches now assistants seem to always kind of form these really strong relationships with guys so I'll just be watchful of that you know see how he interacts with some of our key guys and hopefully you know his resume like you said been with Golden State Sacramento Kings, etc. Hopefully, garner some some respect, in some of these kids maybe were were watching them uh, when they were growing up. So maybe that'll mean something.
0: I don't think coaching the Sacramento Kings gives you much respect in this day and age. But I get what you're saying <laughs> that's that's probably a fair point. <laughs> Especially when you trade Tyrese Halliburton. But we won't go there oh today. My gosh, we, won't, that's, we won't go there. <laughs> thank goodness we are Cavaliers fans and not fans of the Sacramento Kings. So I'll say about that one. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of trades, I guess that we'll just get into this a little bit. It's been a hot topic on social media. I know I'm in the chase down discord and if I'll plug the chase down podcast, Carter and Roger Carter Rodriguez and Justin Rowe do a great job. I know they're affiliated with gas. Now get in their discord. It's fun. Get in our discord for next year. It's fun. Sometimes. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, they, it was a huge discussion in their discord trade for Mike Conley Or sign Ricky or re sign Ricky Rubio. If you could only choose one, which one would be? I'm, I don't, I know we don't have to talk about this too much. I'm in the, I don't, I feel like right now, if like someone put a gun in my head and said you have to choose one, I'd say trade for Mike Conley. Whether it's the fact that I'm an Ohio State Buckeye and he's a former Ohio State Buckeye, even though he was only in Columbus for a year. And secondly, he still lives in Columbus. I know he was from Indiana and he went to, he grew up in Indiana. He still lives in Columbus. He has like a home gym and everything in Columbus. So he's technically coming home. If he comes back to Cleveland, I just feel like we can get into the money aspect of it, but Mike, I know we were all obsessed with how good Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio were. advanced stats, proved it. Uh, I, among two man lineups that played more than 100 minutes together for the Cavs, Ricky Rubio and Darius Garland had a 16.1 net rating, which was the best for the on the Cavs. A 112.8 offensive rating and 96.6 defensive rating. So a lot of Cavs fans like kind of hung on on that and said, "Oh man, Ricky Rubio is great for this team." But I think that part the biggest reason for that is because, as it was proven after Ricky Rubio tore his ACL. And by the way, that's the same ACL he tore a few years ago. It's the same exact knee that the Cavs were in desperate need of a legitimate backup point guard. I know Mike Conley has been a starter throughout his career. He started 72 of 72 games he played in this season. I think Mike Conley is a much better suited backup point guard for this Cavs team than Rick Rubio is. What are your first thoughts?
1: Yeah, the the part that I think the biggest factor is the injury. You said it. I mean, it's the second time that legs for Ricky Rubio has been heavily impacted. Um, Ricky is going to be – I believe he's going to be – he's 31 right now. He's going to be 32 by the time next season starts. And, you know, we've heard, I think, from Fedor and a couple others – um, there's no promise that he's going to be 100% ready to go for next season, and, and likely it'll be, you know, into next season. So, to me, no matter what, the Cavaliers have to have some kind of uh, plan at backup point guard to start from day one because we saw what Darius getting run and in, ran into the ground looked like. And man, it, it wasn't pretty. So, yeah, I, I think Conley's a, a good option. He's obviously up there in terms of age 34. He can still he can still shoot the ball extremely well, which is great. You know, we, we loved last year when Darius was able to play a little bit off ball with somebody. So having Conley out there with him, a capable shooter, would be great. Um, yeah, I don't hate it at all. And unfortunately, like we had so much fun with Rubio uh, last year. However, just there's, there's so much risk at this point. I, I think even if you do sign Rubio and he's, he can play like November, November, December time frame, you still need to go out and get somebody. So, Hey, if, if Rubio has strong ties here, I, I'd love to get them both. Honestly, would, you know, Rubio coming off an injury, could you get him with some of that mid-level exception? You know, how expensive is he going
0: to be? I, I really have no idea to be honest, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to Conley at all. So I know, and you have, you brought up how expensive will really he be. So speaking of Mike Conley, I know some of you listening probably have that same question as well as t- in terms of Mike Conley, um, not Ricky Rubio. Mike Conley signed a three year, sixty eight million dollar deal prior to this season with Utah. So th- next year he's owed twenty two point six eight million. The following year he's on he's owed twenty four point three six million, but only fourteen point three two million of that is guaranteed. So basically, that's like ten million that's not guaranteed. The money seems to be – like if re, if Mike Conley was a free agent, I would be 100% in the go get Mike Conley over Ricky Rubio. The money and his age, the fact that he's 34, he is – him and he's almost exactly three years older than Ricky Rubio. So his, the two biggest flaws, I guess, or the cons are that he's three years older than Ricky Rubio, and he's owed basically – 40, almost $44 million the next two years for a backup point guard, we all know. I mean, Colin, we can talk about this. Colin Sexton, we're not paying him $22 million a year, I don't think, to be a backup point guard. So why would you run in a 34-year-old Mike Conley and do the same? But my thing is that looking at the stats from last season, I know, like I said earlier, we were in love with the Darius Garland-Ricky Rubio backcourt because the analytics loved it. But Ricky Rubio shot 36.3% from the field and just 33.9% from three. That's not that great. The analytics love it. He was great for the team. We all know that. I'm not – this is not digging Ricky Rubio at all. But when you compare that to Mike Conley, Mike Conley shot 43.5% from, from the field and 41% from three. Don't the has need shooters? Don't the Cavs need more shot creators and guys that can move the ball? I know Mike Conley's expensive, but I also know that Dan Gilbert is the second richest owner in American professional sports and the Cavs need th- more three-point shooters and they need a backup point guard. Doesn't Mike Conley fill all those holes when you take out the money aspects, which we sh- we as fans shouldn't care about. That's, that's the thing that I'm trying to say is that I just feel like, especially defensively as well. Mike Conley is a better version of Ricky Rubio. So imagine how good that Mike Conley, Darius Garland, two-man lineup would be if Darius Garland played so well with Ricky Rubio. Imagine a better version of Ricky Rubio and all season. Ricky Rubio, like you said, Rubio is going to be out probably till at least December. Let's be honest. And it's the same me. So who knows if he'll ever be 100%. I don't, I'm, just, I'm, when I'm not worried about the money and I'm fine with his age being 34, he has two years left, so he'll be an expiring contract next season. Go for it. That's that's where I'm at.
1: Yeah, and you'd hope, you know, hopefully Cavaliers wouldn't be asking to play him 30 minutes a night. You know, maybe this is the start of a new transition in his career where he's playing 18 to 22 minutes a night, and we're, they're not asking him to do too much. But obviously we all know, I mean, the Utah Jazz, um, where they're at, I'm expecting some changes this year. So Mike Conley getting paid a lot of money. Maybe they're they're starting to look at the reset button. I, I think it's very realistic. Conley's one of the guys who's who's not back on that team next year. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a realistic option. And, and man, I just want – I understand there's injury risk and all that good stuff, but I just want um, a, a sufficient backup option who the Cavaliers can count on. We we had the deal with Rondo after the Rubio deal, and just we we just couldn't solidify the position after January when Rubio got hurt in, in New Orleans. So, yeah, having a solid backup who, who's capable, who can still shoot it, uh, I'm excited to see who they're going to pick up and definitely wouldn't shy away from Mr. Conley.
0: This offseason, their two biggest holes are – well, their biggest hole is a 3-and-D win that can shoot. We all know that. Hopefully they can get that in the draft, but their second biggest is a back, a legitimate backup point guard that can ease some of the pressure and take some of the pressure off of Darius Garland. I don't know. Then again, I mean, a trade would, I would guess a trade would be something like Karis Levert for Mike Conley. And I'm assuming you could probably get a pick from Utah for take because Karis Levert is an expiring contract. Mike Conley still has two years left. I don't know if you can, maybe, I don't think you can get a first round pick. I don't know what Utah's picks in the future look like, but I mean, I don't know. I I don't, I don't want to sound like a Homer, a Homer. I just feel like Mike Conley is a better and more efficient version of Ricky Rubio and look at how good Ricky Rubio and Darius Garland were together last year. If you can get a better and more efficient player like that, and he's going to be 30, he's gonna be 35 once the season starts. Is he really going to decline that much? Especially looking at the minutes, too. I forgot to include the minutes. Uh, Conley played 28.6 last year. Ricky Rubio played 28.5. Like you just said, Conley's minutes will probably come down. So wouldn't that sort of, like, help his age regression, too? I, I don't know. I, I guess we don't want to talk about this too much, but I'm solely in the... I want Mike Conley as my backup point guard for the Cavs corner. I guess that's what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. I'm, I would love to see Rubio come on, you know, Hey, I love playing with you guys last year halfway through the season in December, January, I'll sign for vet minimum, ride it out and, and allow that to, you know, allow him a chance to increase his value for next year. I would love that. So go get whoever you need to, you know, this offseason to solidify the position and Hey, Rubio, you still got some chemistry with some of these guys. If you want to sign on a, as a vet men, you know, halfway through the season, come in party, you know,
0: bus, bus isn't full. You can come in and and let's ride. <laughs> exactly. So, Enough with the Ricky Ruby. I just wanted, I know it's been a hot topic, not really on social media, I guess. It's more in that Chase Down podcast group. But yeah, I, and like we've been saying for months now, I trust in Kobe Altman. I trust in what he's going to do. I hope he's going to make the right decisions. And I just trust his decisions to a T, I guess, until he proves me wrong. So whatever he does, I just know that backup point guard is a huge, glaring hole for the Cavs this year. Mike Conley would look great in that role. So. I know you, uh, moving on to our next topic, I know you have some key offseason dates, including the NBA draft. What are some key offseason dates, us as Cavs fans, and just the NBA all around that we should be uh, looking forward to?
1: Yeah, I wanted to bring it up because the, you know, the finals are going to go quick um, and, you know, it'd be a good reminder just to have kind of on the horizon as us fans. Hey, what's coming up and what are some key dates you want to look out for in terms of when you could see some serious movement and just when the Cavaliers going to make some moves. So, yeah, we're looking at the NBA draft later on this this month, uh, June 23rd. Obviously, the Cavs own three picks in, in the NBA draft as of now. Uh, 14 and then two picks in the second round. One somewhat early in the second round, I believe 39. So June 23rd for the draft. Um, and then it kind of starts like the official you know, 2022-2023 season starts July 1st. So the draft will happen technically in the 2021-2022 year. And then officially 2022-2023 season starts July 1st. That's when, you know, restricted free agents can start to sign their offer sheets and teams can start exercising the, the third and fourth year on the rookie option. So I think that's where you'll start to see some player movement in terms of those third and fourth year options. So that'll take you July 1st. And then this is kind of where the fun begins. So July 6th, which is really only a month away, is when teams can officially begin signing and extending and trading players. So we're only a month away from there being some serious fireworks going on in the NBA. I don't know what I'm
0: more surprised about. The fact that July 6th is literally only a month away or that, I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to go. The fact that July 6th is like four days and a month away is like mind-boggling to me because this year is flying by.
1: It really is man And it's just like It's finals To turn the page You know Every team that's not In the finals right now All 28 t- other teams They're all just waiting For that You know That July 1st Start the You know After the draft Start the new calendar year And I mean If, if you're not One of the two teams left You're making some kind of move Wanting to improve So I, I think there's going to be Serious fireworks Based off of how Some of the teams Kind of petered out this year Some of the stars And, and egos That went awry So I, I think it's going to be Pretty fun July 6th uh, Then they they go right into some summer league. So you know hopefully the Cavs will have one to two to three rookies that we'll be able to evaluate in summer league June seventh. I'm sorry, July seventh to July 17th and then we started all over again with training camp late September so yeah we we've got about a month of some very interesting um, transactional type stuff that's about to happen with the NBA draft on June 23rd and then we're rolling right into trade season obviously the Cavaliers have some you know pretty heavy hitter decisions uh, that they can make Karis LeVert, Colin Sexton Kevin Love's on the last year of his deal there's some there's some big stuff coming up so i think it's going to be exciting to see and and i think we're all waiting on Darius Garland right you know is that going to be are we going to see a big, you know, July 1st, midnight, whatever the case is, is, is the max contract well, literally at
0: midnight. I'm expecting a tweet from Roche <laughs> yeah. Darius Garland and the Cavs agree on a max extension. I yeah. mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, it's not, which is, I know we've talked about this too. It's cool that it is an a when question, not an if question. If that makes sense. It's, it's really cool to be in that position.
1: Yep. And I, and I, I'm just a hunch here, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see something with Evan Mobley and his, uh, his, you know, his third and fourth years being picked up as well, at least the third year. So I, I'm just a hunch, just a hunch, <laughs> but those, you know, those are just some key dates coming up. Anything stick out to you? Anything you're most excited about in terms of, you know, what's coming up over the next month, month and a half.
0: As far as the Cavs go, I know you brought the, Colin Sexton is a very interesting one. I know. Fans love him. The team seems to love him. But as Chris Furor has been saying, the Cavs beat reporter for the Cleveland.com. And now he's been on two three a bunch since uh, he's been on two three a bunch with Dustin Fox since um Bull left. But he's just been one of the like, yes, the Cavs need a player like Colin Sexton. So it's it would be easy to bring him back, I guess, or bring him on. Because he obviously loves the Cavs. He was around this team for all of the majority of last season, just seemed to love the team camaraderie and stuff. But the question is Will one, he accept a six man role? And two, what kind of money does he want? Is he going to want starters money or is he going to want a six man money? Because that's a huge difference. And As far as money goes, he's a restricted free agent. So if another team offers him in the NBA, if another one of the 29 teams in the NBA offers him a contract, the Cavs can match that contract. So it's not like he's an unrestricted free agent and can just do whatever he wants. I think Fedor said recently, too, that a restricted free agent did not sign with another team last year, which is, I'm trying to think. I'm assuming that means that they just straight-up sign with them. But then again, I mean, if you're a restricted free agent, you're going to sign with another team that's going to be a sign-in trade. It gets you the most money, and it gets the team that you're leaving selling back. I, but going back to a second, I just feel like – I don't know. I don't know how much I would pay him if I were the Cavs. I know the Cavs have all the leverage because not too many – and Fedor also reported that uh, the Pistons and Pacers are the biggest threats – when it comes to signing um, Callen Sexton, I just think the Cats have all the leverage. To be honest with you, I don't. Callen Sexton barely played last season. He, everyone knows that he's a six-one shooting guard. There's not too many six-one shooting guards in the NBA that aren't that good defensively. So i I would probably sign him to no more. If they're doing twenty million a year for Callen, no more than three years. That I think the most I would go is three years, sixty million. Maybe I would bump that up to four years, like $65 million. But the most I would go if it's $20 million a year, which is what's being reported is three years. There's no way I would give him more than that.
1: Man, you said it best. I think the Cavs have leverage, but, man, it's a tough decision, isn't it? I mean, we've talked on this, on this quite a bit about how important it is to have flexibility in a playoff series and – you just take, you know, throw the ball out and look at the series and specifically in the Eastern conference, um, even, you know, think of the Mavericks, think of the Phoenix suns. What do they have? A bunch of guys that are like six, five to six, eight who can move, who can pass a little, who can shoot. And so, if you have if you have two guards who you're expecting to play meaningful minutes and Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, both six one on a good day, probably with shoes on, to be candid, um, and not the most like physical guys. Obviously, Colin is you know is a bit of an animal, but just in you know in terms of their statures, not the most physical guys. It's tough. Like you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to play those guys thirty six minutes a night in a playoff game, more than likely, right? Darius, of course, you are, but it just guys are are so teams are so good at hunting guys you know from a matchup perspective it's going to be tough so i I don't know what they're going to do i I think it's going to be interesting i I was feeling very confident at the end of last year that um, the Cavs were really featuring colin putting him in their promotional videos he was on like their youtube series that they had he was you know passing out rings at like the year end different kind of things he was really being featured and then this off season is, is kind of, as you said earlier, there's just been some reports about teams being interested and I don't feel nearly as confident that they're going to lock him up now than I do than I did probably three, four months ago.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's, he's loved by the fans. He seems to be loved by his teammates, but like we both said, it all comes down to the money, the years, and if he'll accept his role as a six man, because I don't think, I mean, yet regular season, you can probably start Colin and Darius together, especially with three seven-footers at three, four, and five, assuming Lowry starts, and they don't start whoever they draft or whoever they trade for, which could is a whole nother discussion. Um, but in the playoffs, I mean, the playoffs are a whole different animal. The Cavs experienced that in their one-game play-in tournament, let alone a playoff series. We've, I know we'll discuss this here in a little bit, watching the playoffs, every throughout a series every single team's weakness will be brought out so if you have two guards that are six one and six two and you're going up against say Boston who has Marcus smart Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as their one two three what are you gonna do I mean we saw it as fans in the one game playing tournament Trey young found the mismatch and did a pick and roll every time and guess what that mismatch match was Lowie Markin in a seven footer, let alone a six, one Colin Sexton. So right. Look season. Yeah. Colin Sexton's probably going to go out in 35, 30 to 35 minutes a night. But then the playoffs, can you really expect that when you had Darius Garland? And I, I don't know. It's luckily we're not in charge of making this decision. Kobe <laughs> Altman and the analytics guys are, but I just, I would love to have Colin Sexton back. I know we've been harping on this for weeks now months probably the Cavs need it's obvious that the Cavs need more shooters more shot creators and just guys that can move the ball offensively Colin Sexton checks all three of those boxes but his height and his defense or lack thereof are those two biggest question marks and as a Cavs fan now that I'm looking at the big picture and seeing that it's should if the Cavs don't make the playoffs next year I'm going to be disappointed let's be honest and I think we all are so we have to look toward the playoffs when we talk about signing guys too is colin sexton worth 15 to 20 million when it comes to the playoffs i don't know but that, yeah like i said i trust kobe altman and the rest of the front office and hope they make the right decision and i love colin sexton so i'm not gonna be mad if they bring him back so it just it'll be interesting once july 1st like that first week of july comes around it'll be interesting to see what happens
1: yeah, and, and maybe I'll I'll leave the the conversation there with a little bit of a spicy uh name here. So as you mentioned Oh God. Yeah, I, I just love like dropping bombs and then just trying to run away from like those takes. But uh <laughs> so you had mentioned that the Spurs, you know, the Spurs are rumored to have interest in Colin Sexton, which makes a ton of sense to me, right? Like if, if you're gonna keep DeJounte Murray, he's such a long, lengthy guy. Um, like Pairing him with Sexton makes some sense because Murray can guard like even threes. Like his wingspan is is just ridiculous. So that I sense.
0: thought you were gonna include that the Cavs <laughs> should trade for DeJounte, So I'm
1: so glad that you said that, Colin Sexton. All right, continue.
0: I'll, I'll go a little
1: more realistic than that, I hope. Um the other team you mentioned was the Indiana Pacers. And there's a guy on the Pacers who I've long really enjoyed his game. He's so stable. He has, I believe, one yeah, one year left on his current deal. And it's a guy who's had some injury concerns, but he's a bit of a bigger guard at 6'5", Malcolm Brogdon. So he's a good player, but I will say the Indiana Pacers have really, you know, seemed like they're kind of – they finally gave in and said, okay, you know, we're going to hit the reset button. They brought in Buddy Heald. They brought in Tyrese Halliburton. But Malcolm Brogdon's a guy who's has had some injury concerns, but, you know, he's 29. He's so steady. If you just watch his game, he's so, like, fundamentally uh, proficient He's a good defender. He's not great, but he's a good defender quality. And, and like I said, he's a bit bigger. So I don't know if if he would consider, you know, being that that backup point guard who could play 30 minutes a night, uh, Rubio-esque of last year. But man, he, he's a guy that I wonder if I wonder what their thoughts would be if there had to be a sign and trade. I'm not saying I want there to be. If there was a sign and trade and the Cavs said, hey. Collins not in our long term plans. I wonder what the current brass things about Brogdon if, if he would be a decent uh backup point guard to kind of champion
0: that second team. With Halliburton, I mean, do they really need Brogdon anymore, to be honest? It,
1: that's kind of that was my thought. Maybe maybe that's why he'd be available with Hallib, you know, let Halliburton run the show. It, it almost seems like him and Brogdon would be a little redundant, right? Like he, you know, Brogdon's so used to having the ball. I, I don't know how much you're getting out of having both of
2: them.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting name. I know he, like you said, he had some injury woes this past season. He's in the final. He's going into the final year of his four-year, eighty-five million dollar deal. I would take him just like I would take Mike Conley. I mean, they're both owed basically the same. I know Conley has an extra year on his deal, but like we've been discussing for months now, the Cavs need a backup point guard. So if you can, if Colin Sexton signs elsewhere it's going to be a sign and trade and, in restricted free agency. And you need the, you also need the money to semi match too. And I'm assuming that if Colin Sexton signs elsewhere, it'll probably be around 17 to 20 million. And with Braggdon owed 22.6, that money kind of matches. So if he signs with the Pacers or something, I don't know. Bragdon is an inter- interesting name though. I think I would be, in favor of bringing him on, especially cause he's like a defensive guy too. So he's a guy that can move the ball without looking at his stats. I think he's a decent shooter. I'm going to look up the stats right now. I think he's a decent shooter. Efficient shooter from a he, three. Inc-
1: incredible free throw shooter. He, he's always up at the top, like 90 percentile um, in terms of free, you know, freebies. He's his three. I think he's up and down. I think he's had like a forty percent year, but he's, he's had some 32s. So he's, he's up and down on a three.
0: Yeah, his threes are interesting. So in 2019-20, he shot 18-19, 42.6% on 3.8 attempts a game. 19-20, it went down to 32.6% and he shot 4.3 a game. And then 2020-2021, it went up to 38.6.7 attempts a game. That's by far his grew high. And then last year in 36 games, he shot 5.2 a game but only a 31.2% clip. If that gets up to like 35%, I'm fine with that. I, and he's a defensive guy. So I, yeah, you brought up Brogdon and I, I'm fine with that if it means, or if, if Colin Sexton signs elsewhere.
1: Yep. Not, yeah. The, if you've listened to this before, you can tell like Josh and I are not in favor of, of just trying to ship him out for nothing. So I, yeah, this is only if obviously only if Cavs brass says, Hey, you know, this, this partnership, isn't going to work long-term. Cause we're, I know Josh and I are both pretty big Colin Sexton fans and you know what he's done for the team when there was really nothing else around him. Man, he's just an impressive kid. So we, you know, we hope to see him in a, in a Cavs jersey again, but if not, this, this is an option for us.
0: And his work ethic. I mean, he Colin Sexton is a player that's so easy to root for. I just wish he was like three or four inches taller.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's hey, literally you, it.
1: Could you imagine a six five Colin Sexton? Oh, oh well, he would nice. he would have went like second or third in the draft. So I I guess maybe that's true. what he would have got.
0: But <laughs> true that I mean, man, if only I'd even take two inches taller. Seriously. Man, sometimes height sucks. And this nice. is going from me who's six six. I wish Colin was six six. That'd make things so much easier. He'd said he would have already signed a max ex- extension with the Cavs too. That's right. That's right. So well, that, I know we talked about. Uh, no, go, go, go.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say that might be. You know, we're talking. You know, free agency pickups, signs, and trades. This might be a good transition to just some of the basketball going on right now. And, and if you want to hit the finals, okay. Yeah. So you know, I think we we wanted to talk a little bit about. You know, where the two teams that are in the finals, kind of what their road has been. Because this is something that's always so interesting to me looking back, which is how easy or difficult of a road is it to get to the finals? Because I, I think, you know, if you win a championship, you win a championship. No one's ever taken it away from you. But I will say there are years where it's far easier to get to the championship than other years. Sometimes you just get all the breaks and all the teams you're facing. You know, you you have significant injury luck, and I think it's it's kind of fun to look back and see how do these two teams get here and who did they play? And I mean, the the NBA is such a juggernaut. Like we we've been watching games every other night now. You know, from the last series, the these guys are are just you know beaten and bruised. That was
0: awesome, by the way. There's literally a game on every night for a solid two weeks, and it was great basketball. It was awesome.
1: Oh, even the West Coast games. I mean, you're you're seeing the nine PM tips, but I'll I'll stay up for. It. What else do I have to do? I'll, I'll do nine to eleven thirty. That's fine, whatever. <laughs> well, it but definitely. yeah, I just wanted to run through, you know, Golden State and Boston. So when we go back and think about Golden State and and how they got to the finals, so they started with a, a Denver team without Michael Porter Jr. and without Jamal Murray, who you know, Jamal Murray being when he's healthy possibly one of the top five, 10, you know, guards in the league. And then Michael Porter Jr. who's, you know, absolute microwave. So without those two critical players, Jokic, um, you know, did as, did as much as he possibly could MVP, but came up short without, you know, the next best two players on that team. Then we transitioned to the Memphis series where, you know, the, the Memphis Grizzlies really, you know, it looked like they were going to have some punch and, and have a shot at the Warriors. But then of course, game three, Ja Morant gets hurt. That, that's really the series. The I think the Memphis got one more after that, and the absolute drubbing uh, when they were in Memphis. But I think we all knew once Ja went out, that was that was basically the series. Um, and, and then the Western Conference Finals, Golden State matched up against the Mavericks, and the Mavs were you know one word to describe the Mavs this year is uh, basically overexceeding. <laughs> Right. Give me the hyphen for the one word there. Overexceeding. Um, you know, Mavericks did things that I don't think many people thought they were going to do just to get to the Western Conference Finals was was a bit of a surprise. So I, I would have loved to see a Denver Golden State game with Jamal Murray, with Michael Porter Jr. I think that could have been really interesting. Um, but that's just how it goes. You know, teams get hurt. You got to play through it. You got to keep rolling. Um, but just any thoughts, Josh, do you think any of those teams with their stars would have given the warriors a better shot whether it be you know Memphis with Ja or the nuggets with Porter Jr and Jamal Murray
0: it's crazy jokic is so good that the denver is basically without their second third best player and they still made i mean i don't even know the record they i think they won almost 50 games in the yep. west yep. the fact i mean that alone tells you how good jokic is i i think jamal murray and michael porter jr like i said second and third best players on that team behind Jokic, Aaron gordon i know is good but those two players i mean that's that's probably 40 points a game that they're missing basically all season so yeah that's a huge te- that's a huge um not not huge relief a huge break i guess you'd say for the warriors to for the nuggets to be without those two guys and then i mean memphis John morant he is one of the best point guards in the league. I know we, we discussed a couple podcasts ago how he should not have been most improved player because he's just always been good. But, yeah, if you're without Sean Morant, I don't care how good the Grizzlies were during the regular season without him. I know I think they only lost like one game without him or something crazy. But playoff, the playoffs, as we've discussed numerous times already this podcast, are a completely different animal than the regular season. So the Warriors caught a huge break there, too. And it just injury luck, it happens to you or it favors you. The Warriors got favored by it. Teams like the Cavs, it happened to them. So you just play with, play the cards that are handed to you. The Warriors are a really good team. Unfortunately, I hate to say it. I mean, they have Steph Curry, Draymond, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole off the bench, who's averaging like 20-something a game, and is about to get a huge contract in the next year or two. I mean, they're offensively, they're really good. And then when you say defensively, I mean, Draymond still, Draymond.
1: Wiggins on the perimeter. Wait,
0: oh, jeez, I forgot about Andrew Wiggins. I mean, talk about, the. by the way, Andrew Wiggins, I know we're done with Cavs talk for now. He would, oh my gosh. Talk about a perfect fit at the three for the Cavs. Andrew Wiggins.
1: Could you imagine right now having a six eight guy who's mobile and get his own shot? Oh.
0: Oh, man. Seriously. I'm. He's played. I know there are rumors, very slight rumors, that he, the Cavs, were interested in him. But the way that he's played in the playoffs, I don't think that's even the possible. I, I don't think that's a possibility anymore that he's coming back to Cleveland.
1: Yeah, and man, what, and it, it, I mean, Golden State—they've been in the luxury for a long time. Like at some point, I would hope that their owner is like, okay, I can't, I can't just keep. I, I, I want to say they're. They they paid more in the bonus or in the tax luxury this year than they even did for their for their normal roster. I think it was like 170 for their normal roster, you know, salaries, and then it was like 171 or 172 for the the luxury um, tax they had to pay. So it's just it's ridiculous what they've done. But kudos. I mean, I'd I'd be a hater if if you know. It's just all jealousy, to be completely candid. And there was <laughs> out Wiseman
0: who was their first top two pick, I think, a couple years ago? Yeah, number number. two. two. So, I I mean, if you stop Jordan Poole, okay, you have Draymond and Clay. They they literally have four guys that can go out. I don't think Draymond could anymore. He's probably like at 20 points to score tops, but they have three guys. No, my bad. They do have four guys. Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry that can go out and score 30 points in a night. It's crazy. That's why they're so hard to stop offensively. That's why this, I think this year's is I know we haven't talked about Boston yet. Boston has been the hottest team in the NBA since the calendar turned to 2022. They've had one of the best offenses. They have had the best defense. The Boston's defense, so Marcus Smart, Derek White, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, and even, I mean, Grant Williams, who somehow turned into, like, this defensive stopper when he stopped Giannis somehow at 6'6". But that defense going up against the Warriors, that is, I mean, I hate that the finals is Boston versus Golden State, just because it's Boston and Golden State. But as a basketball fan, these finals are going to be incredible.
1: Yeah, two of the best defensive teams in the league, and um, going back to the Warriors for a second, even even you know they have all this offensive firepower. Then they've got these defensive specialists. They've got Kaminga, who's just you know an incredible athlete, and they've got Otto Porter, who. He, he's somehow only I think twenty nine years old, but he's just like the perfect complementary. Holy cow. He's only twenty nine. I believe he, Otto is only twenty nine. So like
0: he's in the league forever.
1: Yeah, just the you know the. And even Kevon Looney. I mean, Looney played a huge role in the series against the Dallas Mavericks. So they have that switch uh, of being able to to throw out there two or three guys who can stop you on the defensive side, and then they can also burn you, go super small, and um, you know do all the all the crazy stuff that they do. So yeah, it's uh, you know the, their road here, I would say, is easier than most, but they earned it. I mean, what what can you say? They beat you know they beat the MVP. They beat who who you could argue was was maybe like the best defensive team in the West, other than them in Memphis. Um, and, and then they they took down the the Mavericks, who, you know, coming off winning the Phoenix Suns, you know, some people thought the Mavericks had a legit shot at um, you know, luke out physically the Golden State Warriors. So kudos to them. If we go on the flip side, and I know I'm we're going a little long probably on the Warriors talk, so I'll go speedy on the Boston Celtics. Uh, I To begin, I think they had a tougher road. I, I think, you know, Boston started with a, with the a Brooklyn Nets team who they swept, but each game was, was razor thin, was close. I mean, the Nets were definitely lacking. You know, they didn't have a third or fourth guy um, that had, you know, a great series. If I look back, Drummond didn't do much of anything, um, you know, I think it was Bruce Brown who was kind of like their sporadic third guy in that series at times. Patty Mills had kind of an off shooting series. So, you know, but they took down, you know, Kevin Durant next series in far and away to me, this was the best series of the playoffs thus far was Milwaukee versus Boston. I mean, that was an absolute slugfest where we just saw Giannis, I think solidify himself as the best player in the league. The fact that he took Milwaukee bucks, you know, seven games to against the best defense in in the league, Boston Celtics without Middleton. So without their go-to score in the fourth quarter, what Giannis did was just incredible. And, you know, outside of him missing some bunnies, some layups in game seven, um, I actually thought the, you know, the bucks were going to take it down, but, you know Boston prevailed um, ended up winning that that series in 7 games and then we obviously are, are just coming off the Boston Heat series where yeah the the Heat had injuries to hero and Lowry wasn't 100% but hey you, you know if you look at the Boston Celtics Marcus Smart's not 100% he has got some serious uh, you know leg issues going on hamstring issues Robert Williams was limping around noticeably throughout that entire series so you know that's that's really one of the keys to me Josh in this Golden State uh, Boston Celtics series is Robert Williams because he's such a difference maker defensively. And, you know, the Warriors used Looney last series to really beat up on the Mavericks. You can't do that against the Celtics if Robert Williams is healthy, even with Horford to a degree. Um, who I, you know what? I, I cannot wait. I know I'm jumping around here. But if, if, we have, if we have Draymond Green and Al Horford minutes going against each other, I mean, those are just two of the best big men from an IQ standpoint, I just I want to see that matchup, man. And we're tipping off in 15 minutes, but I want to see some Draymond Green, Al Horford minutes for sure tonight.
0: You think Al Horford is going to invite his dad to the finals?
1: His dad looks like he can still play, doesn't he? He's, no, he's I'm talking rich. about
0: Tristan. I'm talking about Tristan Thompson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on, Seth. You're supposed well, to get that joke.
1: You heard it go way over my head, didn't you? That was an airplane. Just
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously though, Al Horford. Man, talk about, like, he went from, like, a nobody. He was good a few years ago with Boston. Wait, was he? He was with Boston a few years ago, right? Yeah, he was. And then he went somewhere, and then he went to OKC and was an afterthought. And then Boston reacquired him this season, and he's probably been top three player for Boston, at oh, least in terms of importance.
1: Yeah, they, they don't win that Buck series without him. He was so critical against Giannis, man. Yep. I mean, who, th- who saw that coming?
0: I mean, good for Al Horford. He made the finals for the first time. Yeah, we can, as Cast fans, we can say that Tristan Thompson owned him and stuff like that, but I'm happy for Al Horford. He deserves to be in the finals. I know, I mean, watching the videos of him after the game, you can tell I mean, he was crying and I don't know. It's hard for me to be happy for a Boston player, but I'm certainly happy for Al Horford. Just because he's been through it all, it seems like. And now he's finally in the finals. I don't know if he's going to win the finals, but the fact that he's like one of a, a top four player of importance for Boston and they're in the NBA finals is crazy to me. I don't know. I don't know. It just Boston has so many like guys, Jason Tatum. I know you just said Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I would say Jason Tatum is one of the best all-around players in the NBA. He really doesn't – I'm not saying he's the best player, but Jason Tatum really doesn't have a weakness. He can score from all three levels offensively. He's good defensively. He has the height. He's versatile. I, and then you have Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year. Jalen Brown, who can go out and get you 30. Derek White, I mean, I know we discussed this at the trade deadline, how huge of an acquisition that was for the Boston Celtics at the trade deadline. Them and Derek White from San Antonio. He's played a huge role in these playoffs. He's a big reason why they're in the NBA Finals. It's just, man, and honestly, I know we talked. You talked about the road to the NBA Finals. Kudos to Boston. I don't give Boston kudos much, but the final day of the regular season, it was that Sunday for the regular season finales. Milwaukee came to Cleveland, played absolutely nobody. They played basically brought their G League team because. They will never admit it, but they wanted to lose, so they avoided the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs. Well, guess what? Boston beats the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs and then gets home court advantage against Milwaukee in the second round of the playoffs, goes to game seven, and guess where game seven is because Boston went out and wanted to win that Sunday, and Milwaukee wanted to lose. That game seven was in Boston. If Milwaukee beat the Cavs that Sunday, they host game seven. So, you can say like you want to go for the easier road, but I think that sitting out those guys in the Red Lifetime finale hurt Milwaukee huge.
2: In a world infatuated with comic fandom, comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the
1: Canned Air Podcast.
0: Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome
2: some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on
1: CandairPodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. That is such an underrated point. We were all watching as Cavs fans, because that was going to directly impact who the Cavs were potentially going to play at the time. So we were all very mindful of, you know, as the as the Cavs, I think, played Milwaukee the last game of, of the year, who, you know, are they going to play their starters or not. And I think obviously the Cavs are all excited about them, not, and you know, instant karma, you you bring up a really good point in the Celtics, you know, and I think Eam uh, Udoka, their, their head coach even said, you know, we're not scared of of anyone. So they were going to go play their guys. They wanted to go win and they didn't care who they were going to play after that. And, you know, they backed it up with a 4-0 sweep against the Brooklyn Nets, which was pretty cool. So, yeah, I've just been super impressed with, what the Celtics have done. I haven't missed a second of a single game this playoffs. I've been like just invested in their team. It's it's kind of been my my team away from Cleveland that I've latched on to just because They've been through so much BS with should we break up Tatum and Brown and, you know, questions about is smart a real point guard? Yeah, they, they have some deficiencies. Um, they don't have great ball handlers like that. That's one thing you can turn them over. And I do think that's one of the things that as as we look to the finals matchup tonight and over the next, you know, hopefully seven games, which I think it has a chance to go all seven. I think the key to Boston winning obviously is going to be relying on their defense and they need to not turn the ball over because Golden State, we have seen it way too many times as as Cleveland Cavalier fans. Golden State will just kill you if you turn the ball over. You got Draymond Green, you know, pushing pushing the ball ahead, and he's you know he's got his outlets on the corner, Steph or Clay or Pool, etc. Uh, I think if Boston can control the turnovers, you know, try to try to out physical the Warriors and then keep their turnovers down. I think they've got a real shot. If they don't, and in their lack of ball handling playmaking shows up where it's just Tatum hero ball and, and then the Warriors double Tatum and and he has to, you know, make a lot of hard decisions off of that. I think they're going to struggle. So I, you know, I, I can't wait. I know you and I typically don't do too many predictions. Um, I guess one thing I'd say about this series is I just wanted to go seven games. I think we deserve another good series. You know, we we only have really one or two out of all the matchups so far. So whatever happens, I, I think two great individual defenses. We've got great star power, and I just want to see seven games.
0: Give me seven games. And by the way, if it does go seven, guess what date game seven is? Oh, good question. It's June. I'll answer it. It's June 19th, which would be exactly six years after. So I mean, what better way to celebrate a game seven than reminding the Warriors that they blew a 3 1 lead, right?
1: I wouldn't hate that one bit. Wouldn't hate that one
0: bit. I hope one of the if it goes seven, I hope one of the announcers somehow brings that up. By the way, six years ago, but I I'm, yeah, I'm with you. Seven games, please. I cannot wait for this series. I know it's basically it's starting in seven minutes while we're recording this podcast live. You can say what you want about Boston Golden State; they're easy to hate. But let's be honest: as a basketball fan, they play great basketball. They're both they have both have so many weapons offensively. They're really freaking good defensively, and I hate to admit it, but I would love for the Cavs to model their game after one of them. I know the Cavs are going their own separate way with these three this three seven footer lineup that could possibly change the offseason if they depend on who they acquire in a trade, if they make trade or trades or who they draft in that with number 14 and 39 and the other picks that they have in the NBA draft. But man, I mean, golden state, you have five go-to guys, Boston, you have like three or four go-to guys, but you are so good defensively that it doesn't really matter what you do offensively. And I'm just, I know this is a lot of NBA finals talk, but I cannot wait for this NBA finals, to be honest.
1: And you had a great tweet. So at George P J O R S H P on Twitter, you had an incredible tweet where you had mentioned, you know, the top two teams from a defensive I was rating just, perspective. I oh had this up.
0: yes, yes. No, no, go, go. It's all you yeah. I had it open as a tab and I completely forgot about it. Continue.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think you hit on it perfectly. So if you look at the top two teams from a defensive rating perspective, you know, number one, Boston Celtics at 1062, number two, the Warriors, 1066. And, you know, you look at who was number five on that list is the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it's like, hey, they're there there's something, you know, they're building it right. And I think, you know, for a few years, I was listening to Bill Simmons podcast. For a few years, offensive rating seemed to to be more important than defensive rating. There were a lot of NBA you know, finals matchups and champions that, that, you know, defense wasn't the emphasis and that higher offensive rating was more of the true tell sign of, of who was going to, you know, go far in the playoffs. Now the past couple of years, that defensive rating, it looks like is coinciding more with, with who's going deep into the playoffs and, and winning. So yeah, I think it's, it's exciting to think of Cleveland Cavaliers, Mobley and Allen being the two biggest reasons for that defensive rating to see where the Cavaliers are at around those other teams you know, Boston, Golden State, Phoenix, Miami Cavs. You know, what what sticks out of that that top five is hey, one of those teams didn't make the playoffs, but hopefully they're building something to that.
0: Yeah, and to reiterate what Seth said, the number one team in defensive rating to so the best defensive team, Boston. Number two, Golden State. Those two are meeting in the finals. Number three, the Phoenix Suns, number seed, number one seed in the Western Conference. Number four, Miami Heat, number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So the top two seeds are meeting in the NBA finals. It's the top or three and four in defensive rating were the number one seeds in their respective conferences. And then you have number five, the Cavs. It's certainly something to build around. I know the Cavs still have plenty of holes to fill. They have to figure it out just what they're gonna do. I mean, regular season's fun and all, but it all comes down to the playoffs. So I don't know. It, it being number five in defensive rating, though is certainly sweet, especially because of all the injuries that the Cavs had. I mean, Jared Allen was probably a top five room protector in the NBA this year, and they were without him for the final, what, like 15, 20 games of the regular season? Evan Mobley, he's only going to mature, hopefully put on a lot of muscle this offseason. And then, I don't know. I guess building around defensively and just hoping things work out offensively is the way to go. And maybe that's what JB is leaning towards, too.
1: Yeah, I, I think we all see um, we all see saw the blueprint this year uh, of what this defensive team can look like. Um, another year of Allen and, and Mobley is his first off season, true offseason, hitting the weights and getting bigger. And, and and man, it's exciting to think about where this team's going. And if uh, if I had my druthers, I would rather be that nasty defensive minded team. Un- unfortunately, I think some of these teams in the finals have a little bit of both. So our Cavaliers' offense has a ways to go. But, you know, starting on the defensive end is, is definitely what I prefer. And that just that just kind of fits the old cliche of Cleveland, man. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this final series. Um, I, I really hope it goes seven. Um, and I think we're going to see some fireworks. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to see Tatum. You know, there's a lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk about that leap for him. Is he a top 10 player in the league? Is he a top five player? This is his time to shine, man. He, he should be, I think the best player on the court at times, or he needs to be for the Boston Celtics to win. So if he wants his name up there, you know, hell of a time for it to start tonight and um, throughout this final series.
0: Yeah, I agree. Any final thoughts? I know we talked a lot of finals, which I was not expecting. I like it because I'm, like I said, as a Cleveland fan, it sucks that it's Boston versus Golden State as an NBA fan. I mean, can you complain? two of the best offensive teams, two of the best defensive teams. They both have a bunch of weapons offensively. They both have a bunch of versatility defensively, which is all you want on an NBA team. Yeah, and like you said, seven games. Please give me seven games. That means June 19th game. I'm all for it. Any final thoughts, whether it's the NBA Finals, Luke Walton, new Cavs, colors, logos, Ricky Rubio, Mike Conley. Actually, we didn't even discuss the NBA drafts, now that I think about it. The NBA draft is it's a third... Four weeks on today, the NBA draft. So I guess two weeks from now, because we will be doing this every other week, most likely. I don't think unless something news breaks. I don't think there will be any news in the next two weeks, considering they already did their colors and logos and stuff this week. So two weeks from now, we will be doing probably an all-NBA draft talk Cavs cast. So sorry we didn't get to it tonight. We will Two weeks from now, it will be literally most likely all-NBA draft talk.
1: Yeah, no final thoughts from me. We'll, we'll hit the draft hard, and yeah, we got you know a couple minutes till tip. I gotta go, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> gotta go place those bets, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> By the way, betting January first, two thousand twenty-three, it seems to be going live in Ohio. So that's great. I'm glad Ohio finally realized that they can make millions of dollars off sports betting. So that's awesome. But yeah, that's it. I'm surprised we just spent almost an hour and ten minutes and didn't even get into the NBA draft. And Thank for those of you that joined us live. I guess here it is. For those of you that joined us live, we appreciate it. No one commented tonight, which is weird. We went from like twenty comments last two weeks ago to nothing tonight. Dead silence. If you're listening to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we appreciate you as well. And we will be back in two weeks from this week. It will, most likely won't be Thursday. It could be Thursday. It'll be not next week, but the week after and it'll be an all-NBA Draft Talk Cavs cast. Until then, and as always, go Cavs.
2: Go Cavs.